on Acast and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Rebalance with Kamal Santamaria. Kia ora, hello, wherever you're listening around the world, welcome to this, the first edition of Rebalance, a new podcast from a new news website. And later on in the pod, I'm going to be telling you just what we're hoping to achieve with this new uh, venture called The Balance and what you can expect from it and from this podcast in the future. My name is Kamal Santa Maria. And if you've been interested enough to download this, then I'm guessing you either know me you know about me, or you think you know all about me. I'm a journalist, I have been for nearly 25 years, but for the past year, I've been broadly labelled and known as a disgraced journalist. That's not a pleasant title to live with, but that's how it's been, ever since my departure from TVNZ in May of last year. My resignation, it was followed by a report of an anonymous, unsubstantiated allegation of inappropriate behaviour and then a number of further allegations from my time at Al Jazeera. And so I've stayed out of the spotlight since then. But now with this new venture, and as I'm speaking in my own voice for the first time in a year, there are a few things which I can and want to talk about. Firstly, as you'll know, uh, for legal reasons, I've not spoken about my departure from TVNZ, and for now that remains my position. There's no change there. There is also no change, though, to the fact that I very much want to speak about it, and I will, when I'm able. What I would say, and this applies to much of what's out there, is that people should be careful about associating silence with guilt, conflating a lack of a public defence with an admission that everything out there is as it's been told, or believing every allegation without scrutinising them and those making them. Always remember, the full story has most definitely not been told yet. So I guess I just wanted to start with a reminder that the headline doesn't always match the story, and actually, countering that is a big part of what I am embarking on with the balance. The second thing I want to say is that for all the lies and missing context and lack of verification and corroboration surrounding me, of which there was a lot, There were also truths out there. And what that did was force me to stop and look back at myself and my behaviour in the past and to acknowledge that there were times when I just got it wrong. And I am deeply sorry for that and for the effect I have now learned it had on others. It also prompted me to look at the environments I've been working in. What I'd failed to recognise was that Particularly in a post-Me Too world, there is just no place for over-friendly, over-familiar, flirtatious, tactile behaviour or banter in the workplace, no matter how friendly that workplace is or how prevalent that behaviour might be. Those are environments which have to evolve and change too. And that starts with people, all people, being responsible for their own actions. You know, I had an anonymous email sent to me not that long ago through my website from what would appear to be a former colleague of mine. And they said something along the lines of, I believe what these women are saying, but I blame the workplace as much as I blame you uh, because it was toxic, it was unprofessional, it was misogynistic. And then they did two things. They said they were surprised 
that not a single male colleague publicly supported me. And then they listed the names of at least eight past and present male employees and said, I hope they get their time in the spotlight in the same way you have. It is interesting that allegations have been made against other people, but none of those people were ever named publicly. And I genuinely have no answer as to why that is. All I can say to those eight men, and probably more, or in fact anyone who's read about me and thought, ooh, this all feels a bit familiar, is one, remember the phrase, there but for the grace of God go I, because it's so true. And second, learn from me and my experience, and please do better. That is what I hope I will get the chance to do. I made mistakes, but I hope my past does not always define who I am in the future. Which brings me to the third thing I wanted to talk about, and that is the effect of this experience. I know plenty of you will have no sympathy for me, and you'll just say that the media coverage and the intrusion I got was what I deserved and that I don't get to complain about any of it. And that's fine. I get where you're coming from, and I want to reiterate that I am sorry for the effect of my actions on others. But I also think it should be known, the effect on my own mental health and that of my family has been immense and debilitating and long-lasting. It still goes on now. And I think, really, people should be aware that mental health, poor mental health, is not the sole preserve of the righteous. It is universal. There is, rightly, uh, a lot of focus in the media on mental health. But there can be a distinct lack of consideration when it comes to the mental health of the story's subject and their families. You know, when I look at the um, analytics of my website, my personal website, I can see the search terms which people have used to get there. Um, and a common one has been, what happened to Kamal Santamaria? Where is Kamal Santamaria now? Well, I'll tell you, I've been in hiding for a year, growing a beard, always wearing a cap, um, afraid to use my own name. And then the one time I did go out in a sort of um, public situation, and that was to meet a friend at their office, a journalist turned that into a story by saying how uncomfortable I made people feel after being introduced to them and after I shook their hands, and how they had no interest in working with me, even though I wasn't even there for a job interview. It was uh, The whole thing was utterly ridiculous, to the point now where I don't even shake people's hands anymore. And all of that takes its toll. I'm only speaking publicly now because in those early days, and actually still now, I have had to be medicated. Back then it was heavy medication during the day and sedation at night. That medication was kept away from me. And there was a period when my family essentially had me, not essentially, they did, they had me on round-the-clock suicide watch. Even if I could have spoken up for myself, I was in no position, physically or mentally, to do so. Someone was always by my side, um, and that included my then 13-year-old daughter who would sit in bed with me and read me stories from her books just to keep me distracted and to stop me from doing anything stupid. And believe me, I was very, very close to doing something 
actually, I shouldn't say doing something stupid because it's extremely serious. That's, that's not a good phrase to use. The, the fact that I am still here now is testament to my family who kept me alive when I didn't want to go on. And they continue to do so. My wife has always said that this is not how our story is going to end. And I owe her in particular, but really my whole family, an eternal debt of gratitude. Right, so that is all that. I know it's all quite heavy, but it's important. And you can uh, read more, actually, of what I've had to say in the past year, in print at least, on my blog at kamalsantamaria.com. Again, as I say, it's all part of the wider story, which hasn't been told yet. In the meantime, I have been busy working on something new. And as you will know by now, I'm calling it... The Balance. Journalism without agenda. Yes, after years of asking the questions and pointing the finger and most definitely spouting off on social media, I now know what it is like on the other side to be the story and and how unbalanced that can be. Again, I'm not shying away from all those stories that were written. I said it earlier, there were truths there. But what I take issue with is the uninformed reporting, the unverified claims, the stuff that was just printed. And even on an occasion when I did address a journalist's questions, my statements were edited, but published as if they were in full, and the article deliberately misled readers. And I'm actually going to go into some detail about that on The Balance very soon, a piece uh, which will be called To Publish or Not to Publish. So just keep an eye out for that one. In short, though, it became very clear to me very quickly that the truth was secondary because there was already this compelling primary narrative to feed. And in a narrative that was driven by leaks and anonymous sources, somehow nothing was ever leaked or published about my side of things. The things that we do as journalists have a real impact, and sometimes that impact is not immediately seen. And I often like to remind our journalists that sometimes when you throw a grenade, you need to be prepared to, to see what the impact is. You can't just walk away and expect to have no accountability for the impact of your stories. That was Joe Norris there. Uh, at the time, Chief Content Officer of Stuff.co.nz, who was speaking to Duncan Grieve on the spin-off podcast, The Fold. Um, and I couldn't agree more. There has to be accountability and it has to apply across the board. Even if you're going after someone, um, as a journalist, you're going after someone with what you see as good reason. I'm not saying don't report the stories. I'm saying do it responsibly because there are consequences. Remember, reporting used to be limited, essentially, to the morning paper or the evening TV news. Now, of course, everything's online, 24-7, it comes straight to your devices, it's shared thousands of times, it lives in perpetuity. With that kind of influence, there has to be a responsibility to do it right, right? Read, watch and listen online at thebalance.website. Yeah, thebalance.website. It's not .com or .co.nz or anything like that. It's thebalance.website. And as you heard in the voice over there, it's divided into three sections. Uh, and we've called them Read On, Watch This and Listen Up. Uh, it's all quite visual, obviously, so I'm not going to spend a great deal of time explaining things here. But if you go to the website and click on how it works, there's a video there which will explain it all. 
In short, though, it is explainer journalism, which really tries to remove the biases and the agendas and the opinion and the outrage and just present the facts from both or all sides of a story. Uh, We've got written pieces which are called balances. They take a current issue, quite often one with a prevailing narrative, and then re-examine it with the facts from all sides. I've put some on the site already, national and international, so do have a look for those. Um, Video-wise, we've got uh, two things. We've got videotorials, video editorials, that is. Um, It sort of goes against my premise of staying away from opinion and outrage, but what you will hopefully see in these editorials is more of a balanced, nuanced approach. Uh, And we've also got a daily news wrap, which we'll put out on social media every weeknight, which is called Not the Six O'Clock News, because there are a lot of people out there who just don't have the time or inclination to watch the Six O'Clock News. So this will be a, a quick nightly news wrap in your timelines to take you through some of the day's events. Um, nothing flashy, really, just practical news. Uh, and when I say weeknights, I'm talking about New Zealand weeknights. It will be, I should say, primarily aimed um, at a New Zealand audience. And then finally, we've got this, Rebalance, the podcast, which will vary from episode to episode. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes there'll be a guest. Sometimes we'll take an existing balancer piece uh, and use that as a springboard to expand on something. The podcast, I will admit, is something of a work in progress, but also it's nice to have that sort of flexibility. Um, I would say, though, if you think there's something worth talking about, then do get in touch with me. I would be so interested to hear from you. Um, You can email Kamal at the balance.website directly, or you can go to the contact section on the site and leave a message there. Rebalance with Kamal Santa Maria. Look, I am not naive about any of this. I know as well as anyone how a good hook and a strong headline and an angle, it all attracts interest. And yes, speculation and sources and good old fashioned digging up, uh, you know, it is integral to what we do to unearth what's going on. Some of the biggest stories in the world would never have been told if it weren't for that kind of investigation. But this current environment, this sensationalist, clickbaity, opinion-passed-off-as-fact environment that we're in is dangerous because it means that the public just ends up not being properly informed. You know, BuzzFeed... um, the website BuzzFeed, which is, you know, to me, it's the epitome of clickbait, you know, the listicles and the gossip and the pop culture. It launched BuzzFeed News in 2011, um, and it was actually shut down only about a month ago, which really tells you about the uh, current state of the media industry. But BuzzFeed was a classic example of the battle between news and clicks. Uh, its first editor-in-chief was Ben Smith. Even he admits that, especially in the early days, There was no compromise in that battle. Have a listen to this. He's speaking to former Obama speechwriter John Favreau, who now hosts uh, a bunch of political podcasts, including this one, which was called Offline with John Favreau. Have a listen. Obviously, you guys did some fantastic journalism while you were there. And how did you how did you deal with figuring out like I have all this data about what's going viral, what's working? Versus, I actually want to do a story about this, and maybe it won't be as exciting for some people. Yeah, we thought about it all the time, and we're trying to balance it all the time. And there was, but the thing is, that when, you know, when I started in 2012, there was this, I guess, two or three year period where I think you could fool yourself into thinking 
or maybe not fool yourself, maybe it was true for a minute. Huh, like Twitter in particular is this incredibly like glorious new frontier for news where people who care a lot about news are on there scouring for new information. And if you break a story, it'll go viral. It'll travel a lot. And so scoops, which are a very, you know, essentially news, yeah, is a great way to feed that beast and get traffic and, you know, build audience and your brand. And you're not really making compromises. What you're doing is telling people something new. Yeah, and new is good. It's the first three letters of news after all, but new doesn't always equal worthwhile. So what I'm going to try to do is just go back to basics and actually inform people with what we know and not just what we think we know. So that's it. First edition of Rebalance, just a sort of introductory one, but I just want to make one final point. This whole balance project is not about creating my own personal grievance platform. It really isn't. But I have to say that it is very much informed and directed by my experiences over the past year. And yes, I will be using it to set some records straight. Because in the end, I trust myself to tell my story. Thank you so much for listening. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media as well, at The Balance Feed, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And, you know, whatever it is that brought you here, whether it was out of support or curiosity or just thinking, ugh, that guy, what's he on about now? Uh, I really do want this to be the first step in telling my story and those of others and reconnecting with a job and an industry that I have loved for so many years and which I still firmly believe I have something to contribute to. I'm Kamal Santamaria. Ka kite ano. Talk to you again soon. Rebalance is a production of the balance.website and is brought to you by Acast. For more, visit shows.acast.com slash rebalance. Thank you.